Well, good morning, church. Man, welcome to week two of When Love Comes to Town. Is anyone else just thankful and grateful for the salvation that God has given us? Yes, we should give God, yeah, just do that. Give God at Thanksgiving. Man, we are so blessed, and what a great reminder as we sang that last song that God saved us. He sent Jesus on the cross to save us from our sins. And if you're here this morning and you never experienced that salvation, my prayer for you today is that you will experience that and that you will want that before you leave today. But I'm so glad that everyone's here, and uh, we are investing the next few weeks in learning to love people the Jesus way, or learning to love people uh, in, in revolutionary ways. And so uh, last week we talked about um, Love Week, and I introduced to you, I gave you kind of a sneak peek of what Love Week is, and as I promised, uh, today we have 113 blank cards just like this one uh, for you to take one or two as you leave and, uh, and to write an encouraging note to one of our amazing staff persons at Allen Elementary or Adams Middle School. And so here's what's going to happen at the end of the service, I'm going to invite you to either come to one of these two baskets up front, or there's one right in the middle of the room, and to grab one or two of these envelopes. And uh, on the envelope is a, uh, is a sticky note. It's either yellow or it's orange, and it doesn't matter. It's just, that's just the way they are. And on the sticky note, it says which school this person works at. It gives you their name, and then it gives you what they do at that school. So for instance, this one is uh, Tina Woods, and she works at Allen Elementary, and she's the nurse's aide. And so what I'm challenging you to do as we enter into Love Week in just a week is, uh, is to take this home, and uh, it's just a note card, and it has our church name on the front, our church logo on the front, and I'm just encouraging you to open it up and to write a thank you note, a handwritten thank you note to whoever's person's on your sticky note. So for me, it's Tina, and I would write something like, Dear Tina, as I count my blessings today, I am so grateful for you. Thank you for working with the many children at Allen Elementary, and thank you for, uh, I might say something like, for putting Band-Aids on scrapes and for, for giving hugs for kids that aren't feeling good. And I just want you to know that Warehouse Church loves you, and then I'd sign my name. And then what you would do is you would take this and you would put it back in the envelope, and you would write your, your person's name on the front of the envelope, and then you bring it back with you next week. And next week, we're going we're gonna to pray over these cards. We're gonna be, you're going to be able to drop them back off. And we're going to deliver these cards to every one of these students, all 113 of these staff members. And we are going to give them uh, this handwritten card from you, as well as a bag of cookies. And so uh, I hope that you will uh, take the opportunity to share some love this week with uh, some of our educators and some of the folks that work at Allen Elementary or Adams Middle School. So again, at the end of our time together, you're going to be invited to come up. And grab either two or three. You can take two. It's okay. And, uh, but you got to promise, if you take them, that you're going to bring them back next week. Because if you don't, then I'm going to be sitting there writing like a lot of handwritten note cards uh, to make sure that we get everyone covered. And so go ahead and bring those back with you uh, next Sunday and turn them in. And, uh, and this is just a, an amazing way to encourage the people uh, in our community and to let them know that we love them. Like, you don't have to invite them to Warehouse Church. Just let them know that Warehouse Church is thinking of them and praying for them and love them. And I also want you to know that on your seats or on the seat next to you, you'll find one of these cards. And it's a Love Week card. And, uh, and so and, and, and on this card, there's opportunities 
for you to love on our community. So we talked about last week how Love Week is going to be a week where we're going to focus on our community and we are going to have ways that we can love on our community every day during the week, starting next Sunday. And so if you look at the card, you'll see that there is some, uh, there's two tones. So the, the brown one says what the emphasis is for that day. So like February 13th, the emphasis is love your family. And we're going to encourage everyone to bring back their thank you cards for teachers. Kids Ministry is going to be uh, making handmade Valentine's Day cards today and next week for our two nursing homes. So the little, ki- the little ones are going to be uh, making 150 Valentine's Day cards. And we're going to hand those to uh, our two nursing homes that are around the area. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to focus on that on February 13th. So you're going to focus on loving your family that day. And then we give you some opportunities right below that. Three, every day, there's three opportunities for things that you can do on your own as a family. So for uh, let's go to February 15th. You'll see that your three things that you can do as a family. You can pray for your community schools. You could even drop off some school supplies to your local school. So maybe you drop off some, uh, some, a ream of paper. Maybe you go to Walmart and pick up a ream of paper. Or maybe you pick up some, uh, some disinfectant uh, wipes. Or maybe you pick up some paper towels. Whatever you think that that school might need, I would encourage you. Go ahead and pick it up at Walmart and drop it off that day as a family. And then the last thing is you could drop off a gift card to a principal. Why don't we let our principals know that we love them and care about them? So pick a school, and and, in Floyd County, pick a school and say, hey, you know what? This week or that day, I'm going to love on that school, and I'm going to do one of these things or two of these things, or I'm going to do all of these things. And you'll see on February 15th, it says, love our schools. And a small group, so one of our small groups are going to make muffins or cookies for Adams Middle School teachers. And so one of our small groups has said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and do that. And, and we're going to make sure that our small group supplies all the cookies. Now, if you look on the last day on February 19th, that day is called Love Our Neighbor Day. So we're focusing on our neighbors. And everyone is going to be invited to clean up one of our local trails. So we, I got a chance to have lunch with our mayor this week. And, uh, and we were talking and asked the question, you know, what are some things that the community could need? And one of the things that the mayor said is, you know, we could really use some folks uh, going up in the trails and cleaning up some of the trails and, and pushing away the brush off the trail, cleaning up the trash and, uh, and marking some trees. And, and so we're going to do that. And so we're inviting you as a family, because this is family friendly and the weather permitting, to come and join us on February 19th. Uh, at 1230. And so I encourage you to grab some lunch before you go. Maybe bring a water bottle, bring some comfortable shoes, and and let's go out together. And we're going to head to the trails, and we're going to just take a part of the trail, and we're going to clean some of the trails up. And so we're going to love on our community in that way. But there's some things that you can do on your own, too, on that day. You'll see that you could introduce yourself to your neighbor. If you've never met your neighbor, now's a good chance or a good time to do that. Uh, If it's icy out, scrape the ice off your neighbor's car as as, as well as yours. Or maybe bake cookies or a pie or something for your neighbors. And so, uh, so I hope that you'll take these home. Uh, they're there for you. And, and put them somewhere like on your refrigerator so that you can remind yourself of the things that we're doing. There's things that you can do with us. On Wednesday, there's a canned food drive, so you can bring canned food for uh, local food pantries. Um, you can do things with us, or you can do things with your family. But we want you, whatever you do, on that week, starting on February 13th, to love your uh, community. So that's Love Week. Anyone excited about Love Week? I'm excited about Love Week, and I hope that you are too. And, uh, and so today, though, we're going to continue this series uh, talking about love. And uh, last week we talked about love. We talked about there's no greater thing. The, our highest goal should be love. And we began with 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We looked at the first couple verses there. And remember the gong. We had the gong up here. And we said that if you do anything that you do, if you don't do it with the spirit of love, 
that it's just like a resounding gong, that it doesn't mean anything. And so this week, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, loving people, and we're going to talk about loving very draining people. Anyone have any very draining people in your life? It's okay. You can raise your hand if you do. Uh, anyone? Okay. I, I'm the only one, right? I'm the only one uh, out there that has very draining people in your life. Okay. A few of you are being honest. The rest of you are lying. It's okay. It's, you're just in church. It's all right. But, um, but we all have very draining people in our lives. And these are people that are like the emotional vampires that suck the life out of us. And they steal your joy. And they rub you the wrong way. And they irritate the mess out of you, right? Like we all have at least one very draining person in our life. And, uh, and hopefully you got a piece of sandpaper when you came in this morning. Uh, but they're, they're like sandpaper, these very draining people. And I don't know if you've ever heard sandpaper rubbed together. Anyone ever heard sandpaper rubbed together? I'm going to try it here and see if you can hear it. Ooh, that sounds really good. That doesn't sound good, right? Like, that's annoying. That's obnoxious. And that's what very draining people do to our lives. They're just like sandpaper, just rubbing together. And, and, and you, you ever have a coworker, maybe, that rubs you the wrong way? Or maybe there's this difficult family member that rubs you the wrong way, and they're hard to deal with, right? Like, they can be annoying, and they can be difficult, and you often don't want to spend time with them because every time you're around them... This is what it reminds you of. And, uh, and so we all have them. And most of the time, we will do whatever it takes to avoid them or to spend the least amount of time with them. But today, I want to I flip the coin a little bit. But what if, what if instead of letting those very annoying or difficult people in our lives, what about instead of letting them rub us the wrong way, what if we allowed them to take off the hard or rough edges in our lives so that we might be better at loving like Jesus. So we're going to get real personal today. And I just want you to know that up front. Today might be a little messy. You might, get, um, you might be like, man, I really don't want to go down this road. But as you came in this morning and as you were given that piece of sandpaper, I just want you to go ahead and grab it. Just go ahead and put that piece of sandpaper in your hands. You might want to feel its roughness. You might want to just sit there for a minute. Don't file your, na your nails right now. That's not the time. But go ahead and have it ready because uh, I want us to think about, I want us to think about that very draining person in our lives. I want you to think about who's that very draining person in your life. Now, I used to have one in my life uh, uh, that was so very draining. They were, they, were the, they were draining because they were always like one up in me. Like they were the kind of person that always had to have the best and they always were quick to let you know that they had the best. And it didn't matter what it was. Uh, this person would be like, hey, what kind of watch you got on there? And I'd be like, oh, well, it's like a Walmart or Tex, you know, Timex. And they'd be like, oh, that's cool. Well, I just got this Rolex. And they'd show it off and he'd be like putting it in my face. And I'd be like, oh, that's great. And, and or they go, so what kind of car are you driving these days? And I'd be like, oh, I'm driving my little Honda Civic. And they'd be like, oh, that's, that's good. I just got a Ford King Ranch crew cab with heated seats. And it'd be like so annoying. I mean, it would be like every time I'd hang around with them, it was this. I mean, every time it was this, you'd be like, like if we would go, go shooting or whatever, I'd be like, hey, what kind of, what kind of gun you got? And I'd be like, oh, you know, I got this Ruger and he, oh, I got this brand new Smith and Wesson nickel plated, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, come on. Like it just always constantly feel like that. It was so annoying. 
And to be honest with you, so many times I just wanted to punch them in the throat, right? Like just wanted to punch them in the throat because they sucked the life out of me. And if they weren't family, I probably may have done it. I don't know. But that's that's what very draining people do. They drain the life right out of you. And we want nothing to do with them. But what if we flip the script? What if we flip the script? And like I said, what if we allowed these people to become the ones who bring change to our lives. I want you to think about that for a minute. What if we allowed these people to be the one that brought change to our lives? And there's a way you can do that. But first, before we get to the way we do that, we need to identify. We need to identify who these very draining people are in our lives. And so this morning, I want to help you do that. And, uh, and so to do that, I want to take a look at, at four types of very draining people. These are the four most common draining people in our lives. And, and if you're taking notes, I would encourage you to write them down. And I encourage you to be thinking about, so is this person in my life? And, and you can go ahead and picture them, but don't picture you punching them in the throat. That wouldn't be good. But go ahead and picture them. But the first person or the first type of draining people are, are this. They're called the difficult people. They're the difficult people or the rude people in our lives. These are the people who are always disagreeable. These are the people that are never happy. They're always, always complaining, and they always have a problem with something or someone. And in in the first five minutes of your conversation, they're already telling you about all of their complaints. Maybe you're like hosting a dinner party. Maybe you're having them over for dinner and you bring out this like amazing roast and it's got potatoes and carrots and onions and it smells amazing and it's so good and you set it down at the table. Everybody's gathered around the table and the first thing they say is, oh, well, that looks really great, but I became a vegan this week and I can't eat that. And you'd be like, well, you know, there's potatoes and carrots in there. And they'd be like, yeah, but it was cooked with the meat, and I, I can't eat that. And again, you just like want to punch them in the throat, right? You're like, they're so annoying. They're difficult. And, and these people literally find something wrong with everything. Like it could be the perfect day, and they would find something wrong with it. They're so nitpicky or argumentative, and they're difficult, and you don't want to be around them. They're rude, and you don't want to spend time with them. So that's the difficult people. Or or maybe you don't have difficult people in your life, but maybe you have someone who is uh, what I call demanding people. Maybe you got demanding people in your life. And this is the person that's aggressive, person that's pushy and always demanding their way. Like it's either their way or their way. Like there's no other option. It's only their way. That's the two choices, their way or their way. Uh, one Saturday after church, my family, uh, we, were, we were going to eat. We went to eat at Jimmy John's, and, uh, and, and we were sitting uh, behind a man that was just like that. Like, he was a demanding person. He was a very demanding person. He kept telling his wife to get up and get him something. He'd like, get up and get me a drink. Then he'd say, get up and get me some chips. Then he'd say, get up and get me some napkins. Then he'd say, get up and get me a refill. And he wasn't very kind about it at all. He just kept demanding one thing after another after another. He's like, oh, they forgot to put this on my sandwich. Get up and get that. And he was so demanding. And it was so draining just sitting next to him. Like my blood was pumping just listening to him be so demanding to his wife. So maybe, maybe there's a demanding person in your life. Or maybe, maybe there's the third kind. 
And these are the disappointing people. The disappointing people. These are the people who always seem to let us down, right? These are the ones that are reliably unreliable. They always flake out on our plans. They're always dropping out at the last minute. Best case scenario, they're a little annoying, but worst case, they actually, well, they cause a lot of damage because they never show up or they never do what they say they're going to do. They're constantly disappointing. They're disappointing you. They're disappointing their kids. They're disappointing their friends. They're just always disappointing. So maybe, maybe you have a disappointing person in your life. Or here's the fourth kind. The fourth kind is this person, uh, are the destructive people. They're the destructive people. These are the people that do real damage. These are the people that always seem to hurt people. And you know, here's something that I learned a long time ago. I learned that hurt people hurt people, right? Hurt people hurt people. And that's what these people are. They're destructive. And maybe, maybe they've hurt you once, or maybe they've hurt you many times, and some aren't always aware that they're, that they're doing it. They, maybe some aren't aware, but there are actually people out there who enjoy hurting people, and they're just destructive kind of people. Maybe it's a son or daughter who's gone down a destructive path. Maybe it's a spouse or an ex that just seem to cause all sorts of devastation or destruction wherever they go. And you're kind of left hanging, holding on to the bag and wondering, what do I do with all this destruction? You see, we all have very draining people in our lives. And they are like sandpaper. And they, some of them just annoy us, but then others leave lasting scars in our lives. Some of them irritate us, but then some of us, some of them hurt us. They crush us, and we often want nothing to do with them. But, but they could also be the very people that God uses to transform us, to reshape us, to love them better, and to love other people like them better as well. And so this morning, I want you to identify. I want you to identify that very draining person in your life. I want you to think about who is it in my life that is a very draining person? Are they a destructive person? Are they the one that always lets you down? Are they just plain rude and annoying? Like, I want you to maybe even on your little piece of sandpaper, flip it over to the back side, the smooth side. And if you have a pen with you or a pencil, maybe just write their initials on the back of your paper. I wouldn't write their full name, but just write their initials. Now, now if you're sitting next to them, maybe use code, right? Don't put an arrow pointing their way. Um, don't nudge them and say, look who I wrote. Um, but I want you to think about who are the very annoying people in your life? Who are the very destructive people in your life and put their initials down because I want them on your mind as we dive into our scripture for this morning. I want you to be thinking about them as we read from God's word because here's what I believe. I believe that God wants to do something in their life and I believe that God wants to do something in your life this morning. So if you have your Bibles, 
Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 again. We started there last week. We're going to continue there this week. And uh, if you remember what I said last week is that this is a familiar passage because we often hear it read in things like weddings. And, uh, and oftentimes we miss the power. We miss the power of this passage because we get caught up in how sweet it is. Like you might read and go, oh, I remember when so-and-so got married. Or I remember when they read that at my wedding. And we, we get kind of lost in the, in the, 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 the ushy-gushy part of it that we miss the power in this verse. And so if you have your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we're going to start in verse 4. And here's what Paul says as he continues to define love. First, last week, remember, he said that love should be our highest goal. He said that if we do anything without love, that it's like a resounding gong. And so here's how he continues. He says in verse 4, he says, love is, and he begins to share what love is. He says, love is patient and kind. And Paul, who wrote this letter, is essentially making a distinction between what worldly love is and what godly love is. And he's telling us, he's saying worldly love is often attractional and it's all about romance and it's about playing the game. But he says, but God's love is patient and God's love is kind. That God's love is all about patience and kindness. And what Paul is actually saying is that, that it is love, our love, should be patient like God is. That our love should be kind, like Jesus is kind to us. And these are the qualities that we need to love with. That Paul's saying, hey, church, listen up, lean in. I want you to know that love is patient and love is kind. And that as you interact with the 90%, because we talk about the 90% a lot here, as we talk about transforming lives, that we should be patient and that we should be kind And he goes on to say in verse 4, as we read on, he says, and here's what love is not. And he says in verse, the second half of verse 4, he says, love does not envy. Love does not boast. It is not arrogant or rude. And why does Paul do that? Why does he start out telling us what love is and then he switches to what love is not? And I think maybe Paul says, you know what, let me share with you what love is not because he knew that just like today, that love is a word that we overuse, that love is a word that that has been watered down, that love is a word that we just kind of throw out there. And, And I mean, if you look at the word love, we use it all the time. We use the word love all the time and it means many different things. Like in the same breath that we say we love our spouse, We'll say, I love tacos. You'll say, oh, I love, I love my spouse. I love Jen so much. I love tacos too. And, and it's like, we'll say, I love my kids and I will do whatever for them. I'll do anything for them because I love them. And I love my Kentucky Wildcats, right? Like we say those things. And let me just tell you, and let me just remind you that your love for your spouse and your love for your kids better not be the same as your love for tacos and your love for the Kentucky Wildcats. Like our love for them should be different. And Paul's making this distinction here that God's love is different from the world's love. Like the way that God loves you 
is vastly, vastly different than your love for tacos or pizza or french fries or whatever it is. That loving the Jesus way is different than how the world loves. Did you hear that? That loving the Jesus way is different than how the world loves. And so Paul's setting that up in verse 4. And then we get to verses 5 and 6. And here's where he describes those very draining people in our lives. Here's what he says. He says, it's not rude. Love is not rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. So Paul gives us this idea of what love is. And this passage is so full of stuff. And we get four insights as we dive into these two verses. Four insights that are going to help us to love those very draining people in our lives. Those people that you put on the back of your sandpaper. Those people that every time you're around them, it's like that. Those people in your lives that you just want to punch in the throat, right? And so maybe the person on your sandpaper, maybe they're a difficult person. Possibly it's a coworker, or maybe a friend, or maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's you. And, and I don't know, but here's what I do know about dealing with difficult persons. Here's what you need to know, that I must be tactful, not just truthful. When I'm dealing with difficult people, I need to be tactful, not just truthful. You see, so often we can be the rude ones because we don't take the time to speak truth to the difficult people in our lives with love and kindness. And this is especially true for those of us who have the gift of criticism or sarcasm, right? And here's what I'm learning. It often happens, we're often rude to the difficult people in our lives because we're always in a hurry. We're always in a rush. Or we're always behind. We're always rushing to the next event. And that often leads us to being the rude people, to the difficult people in our lives. But here's what I know. Being tactful and being impactful in the lives of the difficult people in our lives, it takes time. So listen, sometimes we need to stop and we need to take a deep breath before we react to the difficult person in our lives. So if you have a difficult person in your life, I want you to think about that. When they're being difficult, when they're rubbing you the wrong way, when you start hearing that sandpaper in your ears, when you start having the urge to do violence on them, I want you to take a deep breath. And I want you to think about, am I being tactful in my response to them? Am I pausing and thinking it through. You see, Proverbs 16.2 says this. It says, A wise, mature person is known for his understanding. The, most, the more pleasant his words, the more persuasive he is. Listen, oftentimes those difficult people in your lives, that's what they want. They want a reaction from you. And I learned from that person in my life that if I would just be 
patient. And I would pause and I would allow kind words to come out of my mouth that I got much farther in impacting their lives than just throwing out insults back at them. You see, here's what I want you to know today. We are never persuasive when we are abrasive. We're never persuasive when we're, when we're abrasive. And so nobody likes it when we're nagging. But when we're tactful and we use kind words, people listen. And that difficult person in your life will listen more to you if you're being kind and tactful. And maybe, though, maybe you're like, well, Pastor Rick, I don't have a difficult person in my life, but you have some demanding people in your life. And so maybe that's you. And our passage says about that, too. It says that love doesn't demand its own way. And if love doesn't insist or demand its own way, then I need to be understanding and not demanding. I need to be understanding and not demanding. You see, we've experienced uh, this, this in line at McDonald's or Wendy's or wherever fast food you go. People lose their cool and they start demanding stuff, right? Like uh, that you, you've seen people in line and they've been waiting. I, I experienced this two weeks ago. So I went to a pizza place. I'm not going to tell you the name uh, to protect them. But I went to a pizza place to get pizza for youth. And, uh, and I ordered it an hour ahead of time, and I said, I'll be there at 5.45 to pick up the pizza. And I showed up at 5.45, and I said, hey, my name's Rick. I'm here to, order, or to pick up my pizza. And, and the person behind the counter said, okay, and she disappeared, and then she came back, and uh, she never responded to me. And then I said, I, I'm, I, it, how long is it going to be? She goes, oh, she goes, well, we're having some problems in the back. I'll let you know. And I was there for an hour more waiting on my pizza. And I got to tell you that I was going to be one of those people that was losing their cool. But there was a person next to me and he had been there. Uh, he got there before me and he was still waiting for his pizza. And, uh, and he was losing it. And he began to demand. And he was becoming very demanding. And it was, it was uncomfortable. Like everyone was uncomfortable waiting uh, as he was becoming demanding. And, uh, and so... Uh, you know, and, and so I need to be understanding, not demanding. I wanted to be demanding that night, but I was trying to be understanding because people weren't doing, things got messed up in the back and my order got lost. Maybe it fell on the floor. I don't know what happened to it. Uh, but, but people often get demanding rather than understanding. They treat their waiter uh, or their server like garbage and it, and it rubs everyone the wrong way. Uh, and, and you know what the true test of your character is, is how you serve, how you love people, or how you treat people that serve you. That that's, that's a true test of your character. Like when things aren't going your way, how you treat people, even in the midst of things not going your way, talks a lot about who you are. And as Christ followers, we need to love and show kindness to those around us, especially to those who are very difficult to love, especially to those who are demanding people in your life. But when we deal with demanding people, oftentimes it's hard. It's hard to be understanding. Uh, it's hard to, to be patient with them because, well, they dredge up our own angst inside of us, right? Like they, they remind us of who we are and how impatient we get. And so when you're dealing with a demanding person, maybe you need to consider 
Maybe you need to consider what's going on behind the scenes of their lives. Maybe you need to consider what battles they're facing or what burdens are going on in their lives. Because oftentimes, with a demanding person, there's something going on behind the scenes. There's something going on in their lives that is causing this. So take time. When there's a demanding person in your life, maybe take time to find out what their story is. Because usually they are reacting out of their own hurts and pains. And when we understand their story, we can react with more compassion and more patience and more kindness. And so if you wrote a demanding person on your sandpaper, let me just ask you, do you know their story? Do you know what's going on behind the scenes? Do you know what battles they're facing or what burdens they're enduring? And so maybe, maybe you don't have a difficult person. Maybe you didn't write down a demanding person in your life, but maybe you have a disappointing person in your life, a person that constantly, faithfully lets you down. They always are bailing on you. They're always not showing up. And Paul says this in verse 4, we read it. He says that love, or in verses 5 and 6, he says that love is not irritated. And oftentimes disappointing people irritate the heck out of us, right? And at one point or another in our lives, we're going to be disappointed by someone close to us. And let me just say this, that as your pastor, that I want you to know that at some point, I'm going to disappoint you. I just want you to know that up front. I just want you to, to declare that, that I'm going to disappoint you at some point in time. And it's not because I want to. It's not because I'm like, hmm, today I'm thinking Chuck Rowe is going to be the one I disappoint. So I'm going to go do that. Or today is going to be the day and uh, Tess, Tess, I'm going to disappoint Tess. But that's not it. I don't want to disappoint you. It's just because, just like you, I'm not perfect. I'm human. And at some point I'm going to disappoint you. And when we experience disappointment... We need to be gentle and not judgmental. We need to be gentle and not judgmental. Because the truth is, when we experience disappointment, it's usually because of mixed matched expectations. That our expectation and the other person's expectation don't match. We expect our wives or our, or our husbands to do something, and they, they don't have that same expectation, and so they disappoint us. Or we expect our coworkers to carry the load and they don't have the same expectation as we do and so they disappoint us. Or we expect our parents to come through no matter what and they don't have that same expectation and so when they don't, they disappoint us. But eventually, those people disappoint us by dropping the ball because they're human. And, and oftentimes, our first response when people disappoint us is to judge them. But I think that's why Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 is such a good reminder for us. Let me just read it to you. It says this. It says, brothers and sisters, if someone in your group does something wrong to you who are spiritual, you who are spiritual should go to that person and gently help make him right again. So the key word here is gently. That it's so easy for us to rush, rush to judgment. It's so easy for us to make quick judgments and to get in people's faces. But if we actually paused for a minute and confronted people gently, it, we may find information we didn't even know about that person and the way that they acted. 
that we may find out that there was a reason for why they were acting the way they did. So we need to learn how to have those hard conversations that are seasoned with grace. We need to be gentle. And if we learn to come to people with gentleness and with humility and not judgment, here's the deal. We can build growing relationships and we can begin to transform that person's life that's constantly disappointing us if we will be gentle and not judgmental. So what about destructive people? Maybe that's your person in your life. Maybe you're like, I don't have any of the other ones, but there's some destructive people in my life. And how do you love somebody who seems to live only to make your life miserable? Well, here's the deal. As humans, we have two responses. We remember what they did and uh, to us, replaying it over and over and over in our minds. And second, we retaliate. So we do those two things. When someone hurts us, when someone does something destructive in our lives, we play it over and over in our minds. And we let it just kind of go over and over and over and over. And then we often retaliate. And then and, and, and oftentimes after we retaliate, we wish we hadn't said or done the things we did. You see, our minds become consumed with how we can stick it to them, right? And sometimes this goes on for years and years. And some of you have some destructive people in your lives, and they hurt you, and they hurt you a long time ago, and you continue to replay that in your life today, 15 years later, 10 years later, five years later, you continue to play that moment over and over, and you continue to just want to retaliate, and you want to stick it to them. But here's what Paul said. He said, love keeps no record of wrongs. This is what I wish that wasn't in there. But Paul said it. He said, love keeps no records of wrongs. And so if love keeps no record of wrongs, then I need to stop repeating it and I need to delete it. Now, when I say this, I want you to hear me because I'm not minimizing any of the pain that you've experienced. That pain from a destructive person, that's real. That was real pain. And I get that some of you have been so wounded that you can't forget what happened to you. And I'm not trying to diminish that at all. And some of us have been told over and over again by well-meaning Christians, well, you know what the Bible says? It says you need to forgive and forget. And the problem with that is that Jesus never said that. Jesus said you need to forgive, right? He did say that. But when we keep playing that painful event over and over in our minds, here's what it does. It builds up resentment in our hearts. And that's why Jesus told us that we need to forgive. Because when we forgive that person, it takes their power over us away. You see, we're allowing that person to control us when we refuse to forgive them for the things that they've done in our lives. And it may take years for us to get past it. But here's what I've learned. That forgiveness breaks the power of that event over us so that we can have a better future. So my dad, I've shared with you when I was 17, he was shot and killed. And I had to wrestle with unforgiveness. Like there was bitterness and resentment building up in my life. And, and it, it became, it took over my life. And this idea that I just wanted to get back at the man who took my dad's life that I just wanted him to hurt as much 
as I hurt. And I was allowing that unforgiveness, I was allowing that man's actions to control my every move. But it wasn't until the day that I was able to forgive him that I was set free from that. Now, does that mean that there aren't times, even 20-some years, 30-some years, 40-some years later, that there are times, it hasn't been 40, 30-some years later, but that there are times where I, I, I feel that resentment peak in, I feel that resentment begin to grow, and then I just got to say, you know what, God, I got to forgive him again and again. You see, it may take years for us to get past whatever that hurt was, but forgiveness breaks the power of that event over us so that we can have a better future. Now, just because we forgive someone doesn't mean that we immediately trust them. That moment that I forgave the man that took my dad's life, I forgave him. I said, God, I forgive him. We didn't become best friends, right? Like, I didn't go visit him in jail. I didn't go allow him to be a part of my life. But forgiveness happens in an instant, and trust is earned and takes time. Jesus says we need to forgive, but he never says we need to trust right away. He never says you have to let that person right back in your life just the way they were before they broke your trust. Sometimes we may not be able to ever trust that person. But just because we forgive someone does not mean we need to allow them back in our lives at the same level they were before they hurt us. We must guard our hearts. And so let's get back to the sandpaper and the initials that you wrote on the back of your piece of sandpaper. Maybe you have a difficult person. Maybe the person you wrote is a demanding person. Maybe they're a disappointing person. Or maybe they're a destructive person in your life. Here's what I want to challenge with you this week. Actually, I want to challenge with you this over the next five weeks. Is I want you to begin to pray. I want you to begin to pray for that person whose initials is on your sandpaper. If you didn't write it on the sandpaper, the person's image who's in your mind. And I want you to pray that God would give you the ability to love this person in a way that they don't even deserve or in a way that you don't have the power to do on your own. I want you to begin to pray, God, they're really getting on my nerves. But I want you to pray for them. And I want you to pray that God would give you the ability to love them in a way that you've never been able to love them before. Not that they would keep rubbing you the wrong way, but that they would actually smooth off the hard edges in your life so that you can become the man or the woman that God so desires for you to be. So as the worship team comes up, I want you to think about this. Like everything else in life, you get what you put into it. And so today you have to make a conscious decision on your part to act towards the other person the way that Jesus acts towards us. You see, I'm convinced that there are days where this is what Jesus hears from us. That there are times when we're like rubbing God the wrong way. Because maybe we're that difficult person. Maybe we're that demanding person. Or maybe we're the disappointing one. 
or the destructive one. But you have to ask yourself the question today, am I gonna let this person make me bitter or am I gonna let this person make me better? Are you gonna let the person drive you further away from Jesus or are you gonna allow that person to bring you closer to who Jesus desires for you to be? See, don't let their actions ruin you, but let their actions draw you closer to God and thus draw you closer to them. Love them in the very same way that our Creator loves us. Difficult demanding, disappointing, destructive. It doesn't matter. God has called us to make love our highest goal. And may we love those people in our lives in the very same way that Jesus loves you. So as we worship with our final song today, I just want you to know that you are welcome to come to the front today. And maybe you're recognizing that there's some people in your lives that maybe you've been rude to or dismissive or maybe you snubbed their no your nose to them because they're one of those people. And maybe you're like, you know what? I don't want to be that way anymore. I want, to, I want to, my life to be changed so that I can change their life. So you come and you just pray. Pray, God, I pray that you would help me to love Susie better. I pray that you would help me to love Paul better. I pray that you would help me to love Jack better or whoever it is. They're demanding, Lord. They always disappoint me. They're really difficult to be around. They've hurt me. But God, I wanna be used by you to transform their lives. So help me smooth over the edges so that I can love them. You just come as you are. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your great love for us. Lord, we thank you that you use other people to smooth over the rough edges in our lives. And God, you use the people that we never even thought about. You use difficult people. You use demanding people, you use disappointing people, you use destructive people to make us better, to make us more like you. So Father, I pray for the names that are written on those pieces of sandpaper. I pray that over the next few weeks that you would help us to love those very draining people in our lives that you would equip us, you would empower us, you would show us how to love them in a way that's gonna transform their lives for the better. God, may we not be resentful. May we not harbor unforgiveness. May we not be rude. May we not be arrogant. But would we be humble and loving and kind towards all these people. And Lord, let me just say, if there's someone in this room today 
has never, ever said yes to you. And if there's someone in this room today who has never given their life to you, that they would not leave this place without saying yes to you today. That they would not leave here today without saying, God, I declare that I need Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. Maybe, maybe you're here today and you're recognizing that you're the demanding person. Or maybe you're recognizing that you're the destructive person. That everywhere you go, you're causing destruction. That every word that comes out of your mouth is demanding. That you're the difficult one. Maybe it's time for you to come and say, God, forgive me for my lack of love. need your grace and your forgiveness and your mercy because I no longer want to be that person but I want to be a person of love just tell the Lord just give it to him say God help me not to be demanding help me not to be disappointing help me not to be destructive help me not to be the difficult person Help me to become more like you today. We love you, Lord. Thanks for loving us in the many ways you do. In your name we pray. Amen. As we sing, stand up and sing together. You come as you need.